And Gab, he's Don. Blue skies over West London. What else? Uh, Don, thanks for coming in because what a weekend we've had. Barcelona uh, beating Atletico Joao Felix. That's had some revenge there. Um, we have Inter trouncing Napoli. We have Bayer Leverkusen dropping points. We have Liverpool coming back against Fulham. We have Chelsea and all that chaos at Stamford Bridge getting their fourth win in the league in, of 2023. But I think we have to start with Manchester City oh. against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, on paper, when I saw this, when you look at all of Tottenham's uh, absences, having to play two fullbacks at centre-back in this game, seeing how City reacted uh, after after the first goal, I thought, all right, this is going to get really ugly very quickly. <laughs> yeah. But guess what? It didn't. And it came down to finish 3-3, and it came down to, and I hate to start with referees, but we really have no choice here. Mm-hmm. It came down to your man, Simon Ho- Hooper. Yeah. And this decision he made at the end where Erling Holland gets fouled in his own half, mm-hmm. falls over, and then immediately gets up mm-hmm. and then hits the ball into space forward where Jack Grealish is through on goal. Yeah. What Hooper does is it looks to me like he's he seems to see, he appears a signal for advantage. And by the way, advantage is not a law yeah, of yeah. the game, right? It's he it's did a, he did, you're right. There's discretion. He, he sort of his arm gesture makes you think he's signaling for advantage. Exactly. And then he blows the whistle after the ball gets to Grealish. I can't work it out. I no. think it's it's a mistake. It's it's a brain fart. That's simply what happens. And he hadn't refereed badly until no, that point he, at he, all. He done well. Uh, it looks to me even as if like he puts his whistle to his lips, but doesn't whistle, and then yeah. changes his mind, and then kind of it's is bizarre. That? It's bizarre, isn't it? Because like you said, I think once Erlen Haaland got fouled. If he had a blue straight away, then there's an argument to say, ah, oh, well, let's... Well, he should have given advantage, but whatever, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The, the fact that he sort of paused, and you're right, the arm gesture and the whistle, he went to blow the whistle, didn't, and then sort of suggested, play on, and then blew the whistle. It was very, very bizarre. Um, I worked with Shay Given last night, and the only thing he could think of is that the referee didn't see Jack Grealish once the ball was played over the top. I'm not really buying it. We're just trying to find an excuse because it was really strange from a referee who refereed the, refereed the game actually really good. So, in other words, you're suggesting because he didn't see them, he, he says, like, oh, well, there's no advantage because there's no Holland's there. just booting the ball away. Yeah. So City are better off having a free kick. I, I, listen, that's the only thing we can come up with. I don't really buy that because surely the referee would have saw that Haaland flipped a little ball over the top to Grealish. The blue but you would shirt. also see all the defenders running back towards the goal. Where, why are they going there? I know, Gab, I've got nothing. I've got nothing for you. I, I, I think when I see something so extreme, I don't think it's a question of competence. I think it's simply Panic. a question of freezing, of something Panic. that can happen to any of us in any minute. Definitely. I, I, again, I don't think this makes him a bad referee. I don't think he's a great referee, but I don't think this makes him a bad referee. This makes him somebody who made a horrendous he'll be, mistake. He'll be gutted, you know, Simon Hooper. He'll be gutted last night. I would hope so. No, he will be, because they pride themselves on, on officiating, and he actually refereed the game really well. And that one little thing right at the end of the game, or it might be a big thing, is sort of tarnished the game that he had, and it was a shame that he, he made that decision because how do you try and explain it? That's, that's the thing. If it's, a, it's, if it's a routine error or a, or a mistake that you can go, well, I see what he's tried to... It was just so bizarre because he allowed play to go on and yeah. then blew the whistle. You want to make a bet PG, PGMOL issues some kind of apology in Probably. the next 24 hours? Uh, and then that's fair enough. I have no problem. What can like, they do? I, that, that, you know, this isn't like the, the VAR in the Tottenham game where there's four of them. No. And yes, you could have still remedied. There's nothing you could be... Nothing could be done here. Um, I want to... I want to talk about Spurs for a minute uh, because, as we mentioned, so many players out. We talk about Ange Ball, everybody playing the same way. Oh, look, you know, they they don't change their approach to the game, mm. which they did at the beginning. I thought they did a little bit when Hoybeard came mm. on for for Hill just simply because he's a different player with, yeah. a, with a different skill set. Um, are you going to blame some city defending for the fact that Spurs – were able to come away with a point because from Ederson on on the first goal, he made the mistake. To uh, all right, Lascelles, you know, it's a great finish, but again, you wonder some of the positioning on some yeah. of those goals. Well, I worry about Man City slightly. Even Kulusevsky as well, like he jumps like a kangaroo. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is like a huge contradiction because I worry about Man City in terms of only four clean sheets in the league 
so far, five in all comps. That's a worry for Pep. And the amount of goals that they've leaked over the last couple of weeks is a worry. Champions Leipzig League. as well. Exactly, against Leipzig in the Champions League. And that was very... That was very unlike City over the last two or three years. It was more City about five years ago on the transition and counter. They looked all over the place. They're starting to look a little bit like that where defensively you can get at them. At the same time, Gab, if you score three against them and you still don't win the, win the game, it tells you how much firepower they've got. Oh, yeah. And this... they haven't even got De Bruyne back yet. <laughs> so it's like, no, no, no. I, don't, the... I don't think Pep's in a panic. City, I'll say this right for me, are still the best team in the world. And I know the table says something different, whatever else, but in a one off game, I would take City and Paul Dale. You know, I think we've, they showed it to us. However, you touched upon it. I'm just wondering if defensively, hmm. I, th- I think it's a fair, it, it's fair to ask the amount of goals that they leak. And yeah. a, a lot of times, it's not down to system, it's down to, individual errors however the individual errors i mean systems exist to mask the individuals right to help the individual put you in a situation where you're going to commit less errors and i'm wondering i mean we saw ruben diaz had that awful game a couple weeks ago um akanji in midweek um i thought ake should have done a lot better on uh, on kulusevsky um is this a, oh and Guardiola's had a really bumpy start? Yeah, you know, even though great, great last season, but this season looks a little bit shaky. Yeah, great last season, playing for a different team with a different coach. Um, no, but even when he came into Man City, yeah, yeah, no, no. He, like he played about six games, and I was like, it looks like he's played six hundred games. He's yeah. that good. So, I I wonder, is this a thing? Is it? Is he leaving? Is there too much individual? Defending at City, that where you need to. Uh, I tell you what. I tell you what I saw in the City game and saw in the Liverpool game because everyone, all the coaches and all the managers now are like watching games like every single minute. They're trying to get an edge tactically, system wise. I would hope they were doing this before. So this is no, no, I know. It's literally their job. No, no, no. I know you ex-footballers are all a little lazy, but come on. Listen to what I'm saying. So this inverted fullback role, where it's such a strength for an inverted fullback to go into midfield, it's the turnover in possession. So if right. you're if you're Carl Walker, for example, if you're playing right back and you go inverted into midfield and you give the ball away, there's a massive gap down that side. Liverpool are doing it with Trent. They've done it at the weekend. We'll get onto that later right. on. So so tactically, teams like Tottenham who are so good on the break and so fast. I don't bang on the table because um, it, it'll it's going to sound rubbish on the podcast. Okay, but because because Tottenham are so fast, they can try and exploit what Man City's strengths are. With the inverted fullbacks going into midfield and overloading, so that's why I think you saw a real game where I think Pep said it was like a basketball game, and right. it was it was back and forth, back and forth. Then then it's in the the lap of the gods who can finish. Okay, but equally, your city, you have the better players. Yeah, you should be able to, you know, when you're playing well, you expect to be able to dominate the ball, to dictate it, turn it into the kind of game that that you want to play. Yeah. And you also have, and you also, I'm surely Pep's plan isn't like, oh, let me put Akanji and Ruben Diaz and whatever in situations where they can make individual errors, right? Yeah. So, well, he's thinking, he's thinking from a proactive point of view because he's, he's implementing his game plan. He wants the inverted fullbacks into midfield. He wants the overload because it works so well for him. The fact that every now and again, if the opposition like Tottenham are quick on the counter and you give cheap possession away, you can be in a little bit of trouble. We saw that against Leipzig. Cheap goals that, that Man City got spun in and around the halfway line. But it's not even Walker who goes into... I mean, in this game, in the first half, it was it was Akanji yeah. who, who stepped into, into midfield. So you still had... It's the, same, it's the same problem. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's Rico Lewis, if it's Akanji... Right, it's just it's that with Walker. three, you can, you can cover it yeah. better than... If, if there's just a gap in, in well, the left-wing the, position, it's, right? It's, it's a fine line, isn't it, from saying to an Akanji or an Ake or a Carl Walker, don't be inverted, stay in your slots and be a four. Then defensively, you'll be a little bit more sound. But that takes away from what Man City want and what Pep wants, which is control of midfield. So it's, it's, a, it's a very fine line. I wouldn't look too deep into Man City conceding the amount of goals and conceded lately. It's a slight worry, obviously, because you don't want to be conceding two and three every game. But I think once they kick into gear, as they normally do, and they get the better players back, and Pep gets into his defenders to defend properly, and by the way, 
can't remember what scoreline it was when Ellen Haaland missed the sitter. That yeah. could have been the game away completely gone from Man- uh, from from Tottenham. So it's it's the margins. Yeah, no, I, I take your point about the margins. I, I, I just wonder a little bit about some of you know, people will make mistakes. The best defenders in the world will yeah. make mistakes. But I do wonder whether doing that doesn't I'll sometimes leave the defenders too often in one-on-one situations. So, so here's the contradiction, right? So Tottenham scored three, didn't win the game. Chelsea scored four, didn't win the game. Four, four, and a three-three. So what I'm saying is, City are backing themselves to go forward and scoring. Oh yeah, yeah, you can, no. you can score. You can, you, you, you can yeah. score four against Man City, and you still can't beat them. Oh yeah, no, no, no argument there. Um, you touched upon Holland. I like when you score as many as you do. As, as, as Holland does, that there's no there's no argument there. No. Plus, he does, and the more I watch him, you realize he does so many other things other than scoring. Yeah, that if he, if he was just like a, you know, one of those center forwards who scores ten goals a season, I'd still have him in my side mm. because he does so many other things. Yeah. That said, when, when you look at some of he's had some spectacular misses this season. He had one uh, in this game with, with virtually the whole goal to shoot at. He put it wide. Yeah. Just from a footballer's perspective, do you? Can, can, do you have any theories as to what confidence? Happened? Do you think Holland lacks confidence? No, uh, or lack confidence in that minute? <laughs> Listen, he's probably he's probably not hitting the same numbers he's hit last season. Where last season he was he was missing chances. He's not far off. No, but he, but last season he was hitting hat tricks left, right, and centre, and it was like my he's going to break every record that's going, and he's still unbelievable. But I would imagine as a striker, I've played in that sort of midfield and sometimes as a number ten. When if you miss some chances. It doesn't make you unconfident in terms of your personality, but it just it can, you can second guess yourself in that moment. So Haaland might be thinking, right, the goalkeeper Vicario might have been getting across. I need to be more accurate. I need to put it right in the corner. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm guessing what's going through his mind. So he's probably thinking about it too much. And I know, being a footballer, when you think about the game too much, you never play your best football. Footballers always play their best when they're free and we've got self-confidence and you do things off the cuff and natural. And he's probably just trying that a little bit too hard. So, well, it's funny you mentioned Vicario there. I mean, like, and to be fair, and this reinforces a point you made earlier also about uh, City's attacking prowess. Vicario, I thought, made a ridiculous save off of Bernardo Silva. You had the Holland miss. You City hit the woodwork twice, I think. Uh, Alvarez and was it Doku earlier? Were you watching the game when Tottenham went 1-0 up? I was still thinking 5-1, Man City. <laughs> it did look like City could have scored five or six. Yeah. But they still conceded three at the other end in ways that maybe shouldn't happen. What I wanted to get, get you is on Spurs' goal. So you have Son running through with Doku. Hmm. I would assume, I mean, Son is by no means slow, but I would assume Doku is faster. Faster. Yeah. It's interesting because the, the pass from Brian Heal, if I recall correctly, um, bounces and kind of se- sort of takes a weird bounce, almost like, you know, like, 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 like a check. Yeah, like in cricket, when yeah. they put the spin on it, it bounces and it goes in a, in, a, in a different direction. And it seems to land right into Son's pass. Now, Heal's yeah. a gifted footballer. He's not that gifted. He was perhaps that little bit of good fortune. But could Doku have done more? Like, the, yeah. is it the old joke about kind of the, the forward winger defending differently than a defender would? I think that, and probably um, he doesn't make that mistake in three years' time or four years' time when he's got muscle memory and he's got games behind him to realise what he should do in that situation. So defenders wouldn't allow that ball to bounce. That's his first mistake, because as you said, he's probably quicker than Son. What you can do if you're in between and the ball's going to bounce is just run in a straight line and get goal side of Son. Yeah, and then make, make Son beat you. Exactly, make make Son beat you. So that's that's inexperienced. Doesn't make he's a bad player. We've all made mistakes when we're young. He's just in a in an alien position to him, going backwards under pressure, trying to get the check and the spin of the ball. He knows Son's to his right hand side, and he's made two errors, letting the ball bounce and not running and getting goal side. You often said that, like, uh, or you've said before that. A footballer's mind is like a like a computer processing all these all these inputs. Yeah, was one of the inputs maybe that the reason he didn't go and kind of get goal side stand him up was he didn't think that Son was going to beat him one on one, did he? No, I don't think he's not so. a natural one on one defender. No, I, I I I don't think so. What I saw in that scenario was a young player trying to get back on side and trying to do the right thing. He just made an error, and when you make one error against someone like Son, who's rapid, 
you can lose Son by a yard and then that's it, you've gone. The fact that he sort of, he didn't defend the situation particularly well and then once Son was three, four, five yards away, that's it, that's history. No one can catch him. So it's, it's an error that he'll, he'll learn from. He'll probably never probably be in that position ever again. But if he is, he'll know exactly what to do. All right. Let's talk about Tottenham. I, I think the good news if you're City is that you're in, you only play Tottenham twice a year. You're, in the sense that, and I don't mean so, obviously they don't have a great record against Tottenham. So I'm not talking about that kind of stuff because regular listeners will know. I don't yeah. believe in this superstition, no. historical relevance or whatever. But it's more to do with the way Ange Postacoglu plays because you really get the sense that the way they leave so many players up the pitch, the way, I mean, poor Udoji, like, I don't know what, but, you know, he's playing as a number 10. He's, and he, positions <laughs> were bizarre at times, weren't they? But that's what he's told to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, um, so Ange has his own way of approaching football, and it can be very awkward to to play against. I don't think anybody plays Man City like that. No. It's Nobody great though, wins. isn't it? Oh, it was, it, and it's very effective yeah. too. It's, uh, a, it's a strange one because watching the game, Gab, I don't know how you felt watching the game, but after the defeats at the VAD, and th- there is context, I mean, suspensions and so many injuries and a depleted team, depleted centre-backs. So we're going into this game, but I, I was watching the game thinking there's different narratives every five or ten minutes. It's like, they're so naive. You can't keep doing this. Then they've, they took the lead and you go, oh, right. to be fair. Like, yeah, can I, mean, I say something about that word, naive? Yeah. So, naive has a very specific meaning. And people in football use the word naive. And I'm, I'm having a go. No, you can you. have a go. No, 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 edu- no. Edu- educate me. No, no, it's not to educate you. But, like, naive doesn't mean that, oh, you took risks and you were punished for it, which is, I think, the way a lot of people use it. Right. I don't think Ange is naive at all. I think He was, na- he was very naive in the Chelsea game. I think he's a gambler. I think he gambles. I don't. I, I agree with he's a gambler. And, but everything, everything in my football world and my football knowledge over 30 years in the game tells me why would you, why would you defend with nine men I on the half? The game. No, yeah, well, yeah. It, it's the one that stands out the most. If, we, if we're talking about na- naive or being a gambler or being great to watch or um, being this manager that's on the front foot. But when you're down to nine men against a Chelsea side, who, if you got on a low block, probably wouldn't have scored to this minute. They wouldn't have scored Chelsea. But if you simplify it and you go, you've got nine men on the halfway line and they're shattered, why would you ask those defenders who have put so much into the game to do 50-yard runs going backwards? Why wouldn't so, you have them on the edge of your 18-yard box and make all the distances smaller? You could look at it that way and you would... Well, that's the way I look at it because it got yeah, pumped no, no. in the end. I, I, I think he would play the, the percentages and say... But that's not playing the percentages, though. No, 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 but play the percentages in a different way, right? So you've got a nervy, chaotic game where players have been sent off. There are other players who probably should have been sent off uh, on both sides, but yeah, weren't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, if I throw something completely different at them yeah. that they're very unprepared for, right? this might just work. And, and for a while... And they got B4-1. But, all right. Yeah, the fourth ball, garbage time or whatever. No, it doesn't matter. For, no, but I'm saying for a while it worked. Whereas he evidently felt if I go and if I keep a low block and just boot the ball out, eventually they're going to score. And they're going to score because I don't have my center backs. They're going to score. So, so I guess the question is then, is, is, is the style and what you're telling your team to do more important than probably or could have took a point from the game? So you're even a point, so the even most you, likely would have lost. So even though you could have sacrificed a point, the greater good is you're sticking by your principles. No, baby. No, I, no, no that, that could be a good thing. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think that, that that's necessarily the, the case here. I think he genuinely thought. And look, for a long time, Chelsea kept going, running off sides in that game. Anyway, we're not talking about the game. We're talking about this game. <laughs> so we are getting sidetracked. Um, what What strikes me about it is just it's a different use of space. It's a, it's a way of stretching the game. He gives the players a ton of freedom. Um, Kulusevsky said after the game, you know, he was asked what Ange told him at halftime, and he said, stop thinking, just play. Which is a nice line. Great line. But equally, when we talk about smart footballers and stuff like that, you want... Mm. 
we but praise maybe, intelligent footballers, right? Presuming you're intelligent because you think. If nobody's thinking, yeah. But 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 maybe it's a different angle that he's coming from. Maybe where if you look at Guardiola's tactics and his stance and how he wants his players to really overthink and really be precise in every single moment and more like he micromanages his players, Pep, and I want you to stand here and I want you to do this and you stand there because of what's going to happen. Maybe Ange is one of these ways saying, stop thinking too much. Just play. You're all internationals. You're good players. Go and attack yeah. Man City. We're a good so, team. I, it could, could have been that. I, I think the issue with that, and I think there, there's a lot to admire in it, is that when you try to create when you sort of give up on patterns of play, when you try to sort of create this sort of organic just play, find your, your find your positions. If Udoji goes in midfield, you know, all I ask is that if you see your teammate in a certain position, you cover for him yeah. and stuff like that, right? It's pretty basic. It's like the opposite of rigid tactical football, but yeah. I think you need chemistry to do that. And I don't know if it's something that you do when you've got this group of players who basically i've almost never played together That's because it. you you look at his team right and you know they had so many absentees yeah. right i'm recent in ben davies neither of whom is a center back uh in in a four certainly has played very much there. you know these guys have had what a couple games together yeah um brian heel i think this was his second start yeah los Celso also first or second start of the season yeah. um the, chem the chemistry com comes from when you have the group of players, doesn't matter which group of players it is, and they're playing regular game time, and you can form relationships. Right. But which is not the case here, because exactly. these guys haven't played. Exactly. So the chemistry, as we saw at the start of the season, was there. Because yeah. he had a pre-season to work on his players, then the games that started in the Premier League, or winning games, scoring goals, everything was amazing. So I find it very difficult to criticise Ange in what he's doing. I find it difficult to have a pop, even though they've lost... And, and lost lost a couple of games or three games in a row, then drew against Man City. At the same time, I don't think he can keep on playing this way. He listen playing playing his way, the gambler's way might win him an FA Cup. And if Tottenham fans are happy with that, which they should be, then amazing. But I don't think this style, the gambling style, can get you to where you want to be. It's the old argument. I think he would say if he were here, and he would say it in a different accent to mine, of course. He would say, look, we can either do what the other top teams do and try to do it better than them, which we probably won't be able to do or because different. we have worse players, yeah. or we try to do something different. Different, exactly. So and you can't knock him, can you? <laughs> I, I mean, how many, I, how many times did we sit here last year, Gab, and we talked about Tottenham being 1-0 down at half-time and 2-0 down at half-time no, and I, had to show some character to come back? I, I now totally you're looking at a different Tottenham side. If you're a fan, you've got to be happy what you're watching. I think so. And look... If this goes on for three years and they're always fifth or sixth on the table, yeah. then people will get annoyed. Fair enough. But after the previous experiences under Conte, under Jose Mourinho, and so yeah, on, that's when, fair. You know, I, I, I think they're going to view this differently. Absolutely fair. All right, enough city. How about some quick hits instead? Let's do it. Liverpool come from behind with two goals in the final three minutes to beat Fulham 4-3 at home and move into second place. Don, as a former Red, is your glass half full because of the win and Trent's performance or half empty for the three goals conceded at Anfield and the many chances squandered? Great question. Great question because I was on. I called the game and I thought Liverpool started a little bit sloppy, then Trent got his goal, even though it was an own goal off, off Burnt Leno. They had no rhythm in the game, Liverpool. And then you fast forward to about 80 minutes when Fulham took the lead 3-2 and I thought, Liverpool are losing this. They're going to lose their unbeaten record that they've had at home for a year. They never really looked like scoring. Darwin Nunez hit the bar of a chance, then he missed a fresh air one with his left foot. Then all of a sudden, because the type of game it was, it was bizarre. Jurgen Klopp takes Gravenberg off, an attacking midfield player, puts a holding midfield player on an endo, and he scores. Then Liverpool go and win the game. It was nuts. It was just the tactics, I think, the last 10 minutes went comp completely out the window, and it was wild. See, it's, it's games like this which makes me wonder because, you know, even though Klopp was all smiley afterwards, like... These managers, they get paid a lot of money because yeah. they, they, they control games, right? 
It was relief, and I think. There was no control. No, no, it was wild. It was Liverpool of old. It was absolutely wild. Uh, Inter Serie A, Gab. Inter trans Napoli on the road 3-0. Gab, was this a passing of the torch from last year's champions to this year's? And how about Mazzari? All right, so first of all, I am not going to crown anybody in early December. Uh, Inter do look really good. I know you have your own thoughts I on Inter. You, you even suggested, somebody sent me a clip of you suggesting that they were a stronger, uh, a better bet to win the Champions League than Arsenal. True. Wow. You can cause you, some controversy there. Did you concur? I'm not sure I go that far. Really? I, I don't see either so one of these team, two teams winning. So a team that nearly won the treble last year, Champions League finalists, you've got Arsenal above Inter. It's a different season, different situation, different contenders. But uh, that said, um, I thought Inter played really well. Um, they, they Some tremendous goals, showing all those long-range effort. Right strike. And the Barella goal, you have to go see this because you don't, you don't expect people to do that. Um, now, Mazzari, all I can say is he's a gigantic baby. He, he is a, he's a 60, 60 year old with like the mind of, of a toddler. He wouldn't, ad- he wouldn't address the media afterwards. He's unhappy with some refereeing decisions, namely two refereeing decisions. One of them, uh, some contact with Osiman in the box, which I think is very slight contact. Uh, the other one is, uh, was the fact that Lautaro files Lobotka in the buildup to um, in the wake of Shalonoglu's goal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but this was like, it was a long time before yeah. the actual the, the actual shot on goal. So like, do you really want VAR to go back and that yeah. many? I mean, it, and it had nothing to do with the goal as well. Clutching. Like, was he clutching? He's completely. And you know what? Just have the decency to go and speak. You just got in the job, right? And yeah. already you're acting like this? Yeah. Arsenal dominate Wolves for long stretches, but it gets nervy at the end uh, en route to the 2-1 win. Don, how did the league leaders look? Tell you how they looked. For 45, they looked like Brazil. They were that good. The goals they scored. Wait, Brazil, who've lost uh, three consecutive... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, 1970s, 80s okay. Brazil. Sorry. They were that good. They were amazing. It was like, wow, this is... It felt for the first time watching Arsenal, it felt like that was the first time they were truly back to how they were last year. Dominant. Even more than the Lons game? Well, I mean, six well, different scores, that was great, but I'm not sure the opposition was that strong for a Champions League team, but it just wait, felt... It just wait, felt wait, 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 are Wolves better than Lions? Oh, so I don't know, but Wolves... yourself in those characters? Yeah, Wolves were a decent side, they're in, they're in decent form. Anyway, what my point was, is I thought the crowd were in it. I thought the crowd was superb. I thought the players were superb. Saka's been great since the start of the season, but people like Erdegaard, who I thought has played a lot of games over the last 18 months, probably looked a little bit tired a few months ago. They were all at it. Declan Rice was off the charts good. And they could have been, should have been, about four or five nil up. The fact they weren't allowed Wolves back into the game and Arsenal got a teeny weeny bit complacent. You're not blaming Rice for the uh, Kudnyak goal? Rice or Zinchenko? Yeah. Either. But once you were, listen, I, I think you in, turn the, this, in the balance of the game, Arsenal deserved the three points. Oh, no, there's no question about that. You turn this into a teachable moment if you're if you're Arteta saying, guys, we got to play 90 minutes here. We won. We deserve to win. We created many more chances. We were phenomenal. Yeah. But there's no coasting because no. we put ourselves in a situation where in the end, anything could have happened. I totally agree. They were, they were good, though. Um, after 14 consecutive wins in all competitions, by Leverkusen dropped points at Dortmund, against Dortmund. They held them to a 1-1 draw. I can't even believe I'm asking this. Should Javi Alonso be worried? No. Exactly. No, look, I'm all about the performance. Bayer Leverkusen wiped the floor with them. It's just one of those games, Victor Boniface equalising late, but they could have had three or four. It was completely one-sided. Uh, it's interesting now, though, because Bayern's game was postponed on Saturday due yeah. to uh, heavy snow in, in Munich, and Bayern can now draw level with them if they win their game in hand. So, uh, Bundesliga race looking very tight this year. I just hope it continues because I'm so happy. I, so. I, I enjoy watching Bayer Leverkusen so much. Newcastle stay three points off the Champions League spots by beating Manchester United 1-0. Get in there. Don, were your boys good or were United as bad as they looked to me? Both. We trampled all over Man United. They didn't want it. They didn't fancy it. They didn't work hard enough. And they you only have the enough. 10 injured players. Exactly. came 11 after Eddie Pope got injured. Exactly. Or Nick Pope. Sorry, yeah. I don't want to keep calling him Eddie Pope. Eddie Pope. Pope. <laughs> exactly. I thought Newcastle were amazing. 
you know, off the back of the draw against Palace, uh, uh, in, in Paris, which was a shambles, by the way. It was never a penalty. Uh, I fancy Newcastle Gap to beat anyone at St James's Park. Newcastle are a different side when they're at home. The crowd forced them forward. The crowd have got energy. Anthony Gordon was out of this world. What a signing he's been. Even people like Jamal Lascelles, who's not been in the team over the years, but now has got his place back because of Sam Botman's injury. There's a lot to like about what Eddie Howe's doing in terms of building a team and building characters. And it sounds cliche, but they want to die for the badge. They really do. I've given United the benefit, and Ten Hag specifically, the benefit of the doubt for a long time. I think he's got a terrible dressing room. Maybe. But I went in looking at this game. Maybe this is the difference. Because looking going into this game, I said, well, United have eight players out. And they had a tough midweek uh, away game facing elimination in, in the Champions League. Both did. So, but that's, uh, that's the point. Yeah. And then I said, wait a minute. Newcastle have 10 players out, yeah. not eight. And while Manchester United were in Istanbul playing Galatasaray, uh, <laughs> Newcastle only had to go and play Kylian Mbappe in Paris Saint-Germain. But, so what are we talking Enough with the excuses. If the players seem as disinterested, and this is a new thing, I think, with United, even before when they were bad, it felt like the players were still... But when I look at Rashford, Martial, and I don't just want to pick on them because I know mm. the defenders get all the stick because it's Maguire and whatever. And He actually played really well, Harry Maguire. When you get that kind of attacking contribution from Rashford, Martial, and Garnacho, there's a serious problem. But how's Martial still at Man United? I'm nine, assuming Hoyland's nine, tired. No, but nine years in, he's never been good enough. I, I, I'm. And this is—I don't think this is a new problem, Gab. I think when you look back at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I thought it was probably four or five players that took liberties with the manager. Then when Ralph Rangnick took over, scratched the four or five, there was eight or nine that took liberties under him. Now I'm watching the same, well, a slightly different group of players. They ain't trying, Gab. They ain't running. I, I, I thought they were until very recently. But then I see this game, and you, you can't go down like this. You can't. It was terrible. But well done, Newcastle. Great. Uh, so Barcelona back on track with a huge 1-0 win over Atletico Madrid. Was it all about João Felix? Uh, it was mostly about João Felix. It was a lot about uh, Iñaki Peña, who came in goal. Uh, two ridiculous saves, one off a Memphis Depay free kick, uh, one off um, uh, towards the end off, off Correa to, to save the score. I'll say this. I don't think Barcelona have played well in about six to eight weeks. Has he been under pressure, Xavi? I don't think under pressure because he's Xavi, but he might have been. For the style. But they played really, really well in this game. They could have been three or four goals up uh, at the end of the first half. Robert Lewandowski is clearly clearly still out of form. Um, But the other guy stepped up. Mm. Everybody else stepped up. Joe Felix, of course, scoring against against his, I'm going to say his old club. He's still an athletic player. He's only Mm. on loan at Barcelona. Um, Was that true what I read about Lewandowski's contract maybe getting terminated? Because there's some clause in there that he's not played enough or sufficient amount of games. I don't believe that's the case. I think, I mean, he had a two-year, he signed a three-year deal, I think. I don't think. No. uh, Or I thought two plus one. But um, a really, really big win for him. For Atletico, I felt a little bit for them. I think he got his initial lineup wrong. He made a triple substitution at halftime and then sent on, used his other two subs before the hour mark. And I think they created chances at the end. But you can't concede a whole hour to the opposition like that. But nice to see Memphis to buy back. I want to see Memphis. I am a Memphis guy. Chelsea record their fourth home league win of 2023, which is one of those absurd stats, uh, beating Brighton 3-2. But, Don, this was a rather eventful game, too, between uh, the Gallagher second yellow which I thought was really silly on his part. Yeah. And that penalty uh, given after Mudrik went down, which made it 3-1. Was that yeah, a penalty? 100% a penalty. Okay. Yeah, James Miller's trying to track him back, and James Miller at his age is never going to catch Mudrik. And I think there was no contact. I initially was looking at sort of arms, something in the back. When you look at it a it's little... His, it's his legs. Yeah, yeah. When you look at it a little bit yeah. closer, it was the tangle of legs. And the fact that he kicked them on the calf, the referee made the right call. It was a penalty all day long. It was an entertaining game. It was a spicy game. And Conor Gallagher on a yellow card, club captain. You can't do that. Why are you making that tackle on Billy Gilmore? Because you mistime that and you catch Billy Gilmore on a yellow card, you're going off. Yeah, no, you, you, you can't do it. It's, it's funny you say that about the uh, Milner one. I, I thought it was a penalty too, but um, yeah. uh, a lot of your colleagues um, in this country saying, well, but, you know, if he doesn't give it, he doesn't give it. It's not something VAR should intervene in, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... I actually thought... The, the best, the best use, use of VAR was at the end, when Brighton put a cross in, it hit Levi Colwell in the face. But as he jumped, his hands were really high, yeah. and Craig Pawson gave a, gave a penalty. He went to the monitor, looked at it, and went, no, hit him in the face. 
Great yeah. use of art. But anyway, like, don't keep your hands all. Uh, no, but you, you're, you're inviting trouble. Yes, when you do that. but we need arms for leverage, Gab. Uh, uh. We need, last time I checked, we need arms to run us athletes. Uh, Real Madrid stayed top in La Liga with a 2 0 win over Granada. Was it straightforward, Gab? Very straightforward. I think Real Madrid dominated. They also have a ton of players out. We saw this uh, little box midfield with Bellingham coming in from the left, Brian Diaz from the right. Brian Diaz, um, I thought, had another really good game. He's another really valid option. And by the way, if you like your assists, go and check out Tony Kroos' assist for, for, for Brian Diaz. Bit special. Mm. Everton have lodged your appeal against a 10-point suspension. But, Don, in the meantime, they're getting it done on the pitch, winning 1-0 in Nottingham Forest. Siege mentality. I think that's what's happened now. I think the fans are upset of what's happened to their club. Um, and I think Sean Dyche is channeling all the, the angst from the terraces and what's going on into the team's performance, which, to be fair, I think he's that sort of manager anyway, but they're just using that extra extra yard to, to run that little bit harder. And that was a huge win. Uh, they were dominant in the game. There was a penalty call in that game, which I thought Everton got lucky with. I thought it should have been a penalty with a shirt pull. But that's all they can do, Gab. That sounds cliche-ish, but they can't worry about the, the points deduction. You've just got to make sure, if you're Sean Dyche now, you churn out the wins and you get out that bottom three as quick as possible. Yeah. I think I think they will get out, and I also th- remind people that you'd rather have a ten-point deduction this year than a two-point deduction last year because of the opposition. Be champ- no, because otherwise you'd be in the championship. If they deducted those points at the end of last season. Oh, end of last season, yeah. Then everything would yeah. be down. Weirdly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Girona beat Valencia two-one. Stay top of La Liga, level on points with Real Madrid. God, were they supposed to start dropping points by now? Yes, that's what I expected them to do because they haven't played a lot of the teams near the top of La Liga. Uh, they were going to drop points in this game. Uh, as well, one nil down, gave up, gave up the Hugo Duro uh, counterattack. But that's when Micho shows that hey, I'm not a one-trick pony. Makes in a very inspired change, sending on Yankoto and Stuani. Yankoto uh, his crosses set up Stuani's equalizer, and then Stuani forced the own goal, which gave them the win. I think it was a deserved win. They're not going away yet. Next week, Barcelona against Girona. Is that when the wheels finally come off? Some game. Injury hit Milan beat Frosinone 3-1 as Luka Jovic finally opens his account and Christian Pulisic scores a wonder goal. Don, can these two be as important as Olivier Giroud and Rafael Leao, both of whom were unavailable? Uh, they're going to have to be. They're going to have to step up because I think at his age, Giroud, he can't be playing every single game. It's not impossible, even though he's been amazing. And Leao, I think, on his day, has been a world beater. We've had this conversation before about Leao. I wish he would change his attitude slightly. Because I think he's a world beater when he wants to be and when he wants to go forward. Just some of his body language at times looks like a little bit, I'm not too interested in helping out. You don't agree? No, not on the body language thing. I'm not Why? a body language guy. I think it's nice. Some of the games that I've watched when he didn't fancy it, he does not track back what. Maybe that's different. That's, that's a different issue, but I don't think that has to do with what his body language is. And that's where I thought at times Tonali covering for him a lot. For Tio Hernandez, I thought they did a lot of work covering. But on your question, they're going to have to be and Chuck Wazy. I've been really impressed with uh, with with Pulisic down the line. Brilliant, He's turning a corner uh, in a big way. Jovic, eh, jury's going to be out for a long time, but he played well. Uh, Donnarumma Gab got himself sent off within what ten minutes? Yes, this was for Paris Saint Germain away to Le Havre, and let me just set the scene for you because. I'll get to Donnarumma in a second. I want to talk about Paris Saint-Germain, right? Because there's some people, Mark Ogden, who think that, you know, they're they're mentally weak, that, you know, they're so unappealing, whatever else. He's not far off. Oh, there you go, yeah. After their, You didn't like their 4.26 XG against Newcastle, right? Um, but I will say this. Whenever people say that, they're flaky. This was a classic trap game because you, you've just been held at home. By Newcastle. You only equalize thanks to a very controversial penalty, very. right? And you're playing Le Havre away, where Le Havre are a good side, they're a mid-table side, right? Your goalkeeper gets sent off after 10 minutes. What was interesting to me was the reaction. I thought, this is Luis Enrique, they're going to still try to play and whatever. No, they didn't. They basically said to Le Havre, all right, you have the ball. Also because Mbappe did what Mbappe does and scores a tremendous goal after 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the game, they're back. And, I mean, Le Havre had 60% possession, 23 shots on goal. So there's there's kind of like a blue-collar element to the side. And I think that makes them, though that can come out occasionally, that makes it more uh, dangerous. As for Donnarumma, I mean, he's made some high-profile mistakes, not least against uh, uh, your boys Newcastle uh, in midweek. Um on this one, it wasn't malicious, but they tried to play the offside. The defense 
didn't do it properly. Maybe he thought, oh, why isn't this guy offside? He's coming across. Let me clear the ball. And he completely mistimes it. And, I mean, he could have taken his head off. because. So let me just got... write that one down. He kicked someone in the head. <laughs> he has, he has, he's got big, long legs and large feet. What can I tell you? Um, he had to go. Now there's some people. Arnau Tenas came on. Um, he's, he's a younger keeper who was at uh, Barcelona before, but obviously never played. Um there's some people now who think that tennis should play, not least because he's much better with his feet. And there's others who say, hey, look, Killer Navas, who had supposedly been injured, in air quotes, uh, all season, he's still knocking about. Some people suspect, oh, look, he's suddenly going to be fit again. Mm-hmm. So would you drop Donnarumma? I don't think he's in good form, Gab. I don't know if I'm going all the way back to when he was a teenager. So and you'd I- be happy to just drop your keeper because he's on bad form? Right, Mr. Arteta? Well, yeah, that's how it goes. If you're in bad, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. If you're in bad form, you get dropped, no? That's, isn't that how it works? I think if you're a number one, normally they give you the benefit. I don't think Edison's going to be dropped. For You think, you no. think Stefan Ortega is going to play? No, but Edison doesn't make that many high-profile mistakes, does he? Yeah, no. no. I, 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 I don't know if there's something going on. It's just this one was... This one he just froze. and uh, Yeah, but he's got, he's got to bounce back, put it that way. Ruben Neves says that he and his family are happy in Saudi Arabia and he has no intention of returning to the Premier League on loan in January. This is after, of course, he's been linked to Newcastle since he plays the same position as Sandro Tonali, who we mm-hmm. won't be seeing for a while. Are you a little surprised he's no interest in, uh, in coming back? I'm, I'm surprised at the question. Because why? Well, why would he leave Al-Halal when they're six points clear at the top of the league? Why would they allow... a one of their star players, a great player to leave, to come to the Premier League. Can so then, straight, right. sorry, I can, let me answer these questions one by one. Right? Yeah, yeah. Why might he want to leave Al Halal in January? Why? I'm not because getting it. Because he has a multi-year contract. He'll go back there next season. No, no, no. But, However, you're, but I think how, you're missing the point. Why would Al Halal allow no, no, him no, to? You, your to, first question was why would he want to leave? So I will tell you why he might on. want to leave. All right. He might want to leave because. I'm sure he loves it there uh, in Saudi, but you know what? He's got more years left, and he can go back there next summer to his heart. He can retire there for all I care. Uh, That's one reason. Two, he might want to leave. He personally might want to leave because he's not 100% certain to be in the Portugal team for the Euros. And if he comes back and if he plays uh, European football. But he says here his family are happy. That's great that they're happy, but, you know, he might want to go and try to win the Euros. Um and the other reason is Champions League football with Newcastle United. Potentially. Maybe even... maybe. But what I'm not getting is why would Al-Halal... Okay, let me... Allow, no, no. Why would Al-Halal uh, allow, allow him leave. for him to miss domestic games when there's six points clear at the top? So the reason for that might be... And I'm purely speculating here. Ah. So I think people thought that it could be possible because A, his agent George Mendes would get another payday if he moves, obviously. Yeah. But also... The people who own Al Halal are the same people who own Newcastle United. I yeah, I get that. So, in the grand scheme of things, it comes down to what is more pu- uh, valuable to the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Is it Newcastle making top four again, or Newcastle going for a run in the Champions or League? Or Al Halal winning the league? Or is it Al Halal winning the league, which they've won before and might win again? That's the and priority. No? Six- is it? Well, it has really? to be. That's why you sign these players to win the league. No, I, I would suggest if it was a priority, then the public investment fund would have spent a ton of money uh, on Al Halal years ago, uh, since it's there on their doorstep. It said they had no interest until very recently. What I would also suggest is Al Halal can also loan Ruben Neves and go and drop a whole bunch of money and sign somebody else uh, if need be in January. So I think that's why people were, were suggesting that this was the case. He's come out pretty clearly that it's not going to happen. So I think this puts the story to bed. But you agree Newcastle still could use another midfielder? Oh, no, as good as Lewis Miley's oh, been? No, hey, no, don't get me wrong. I would love him as a fan at Newcastle. I think he's an amazing player. I'm but just, but, but I'm, forget him, but do they need... Are you... I mean, a midfield of... A midfield core, right? Of Help me out if I forget somebody. Of, of Bruno, of Joe Linton, so they're not of coming Longstaff. Out the team. What? So those two are not coming out of the team? No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying. But I'm talking like the midfield unit yep. that's going to have to carry Newcastle between now and the end of the season, right? He plays with three midfielders generally, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're talking Joe Linton. Yep. We're talking uh, Bruno, Bruno Guimaraes. Yep. We're talking Lewis uh, Miley, Miley. Who's, who's come in recently but had no experience before that. We're talking Longstaff. Yep. And I must be forgetting there's, somebody. There's, there's people like Joe Willock. There's guys that might be coming right. back from injury. Willock, Willock to come back. 
five guys I don't think is enough. Oh, no. Hey, okay. No, I think they'll have to bring somebody in. Okay, no. What I'm trying to say is, is Newcastle could do with, I think, the player because I think he's that good. I'm just struggling to... I'm struggling to understand it from an Al Halal point of view. Yeah, 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 when yeah. you're top of the league, why would you allow Ruben Neves to go? No, no, you I, did. I, I, no, you I, did. I, I hate to to be like you know, like look, go through the looking glass of the no. other side, but I think that's the reality. That's oh, why they thought it was going to be possible. I'm taking them all day long. I think he's that good. Uh, Roma come from behind Gab against ten man Sassuolo to win two one. Is it all about Jose again? It kind of is. What's um, he done? What's he done? <laughs> all right, so. All right, so so Roma played in the Europa League on Thursday, and normally he never gives press conferences ahead of Sunday games if they if he's had a uh, if he's had a Europa League game, especially away from home. Right. Um, this time he speaks, and at his press conference, he goes on and on about the referee who's assigned to this game. It's this fella called Marcinato, who's 31 years old. He's supposed to be an up-and-coming referee. He only officiated. He's only got four games of experience in Serie A. Uh, but you know, ultimately, it's Sassuolo against Roma. It's not against like it's, it's not Roma Lazio, Roma yeah. Juventus. So you are going to get one of the less experienced guys that you want to try to build up, right? Um, and he said, "I don't think Marcinato has the um, his, has the emotional stability to officiate this game." Wow, I'm very worried about what he might do. Wow, I could see him sending off, or I could see him booking Mancini. Uh, who's of course uh, Roma's center back? Wow, he's crushed, after he's ten minutes, balls on, isn't it? And because he's uh, he's already one booking away from a suspension, um, that would mean that he would miss our next game against Fiorentina. And and then he went on this rant about Berardi, how he doesn't like Berardi because Berardi dives all the time. Uh, so obviously the Italian FA opened an investigation. I mean, you can't say stuff like this can't. before a game about a referee because you're clearly trying to get into the referee's head. I mean, this is like. 101, dark arts, Mourinho. It's the kind of crap that happened yeah. in the 1980s and 1990s. I thought we were past this. I generally, I generally thought Mourinho was actually better than that because this was so naked and so crass. Yeah. And I think he said something similar about a month ago as well on the referee. That was cruel. I mean, he's been suspended, what, three times, four times this yeah. season? Um, and then after the game, and, and you talk about you know people saying, oh, it's genius. I'm like, I don't think it's genius. No. Uh, after the game, what he did was he came out and he said, he said, well, since obviously my Italian gets misunderstood all the time, and he's clearly referring <laughs> to what he said before, even though it's pretty clear, Yeah. Um, I better do my press conference in Portuguese. So he did the whole press conference in Portuguese. Now, Mourinho... As lived, this is his fifth year living in Italy. He's, his Italian's fine. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was saying. Yeah, um, you know, it's a sideshow situation, frankly. Encouraging thing from Roma is they came back. Sassuolo had a man sent off, uh, rightly so. Mm-hmm. My, I don't know if Marcinano said, "Oh, I better not displease Mourinho by not sending him off." I mean, Bolocca had to go. It was a really bad tackle, uh, and Roma won deservedly. And Top four. T- you know what? I'm wondering, like, is this taking away from the team that we're just talking about Mourinho yeah. rather than rather than Roma? Maybe he likes it. Now, this was way back on Friday, but Juventus ground out a 2-1 win away to Monza thanks to an injury time winner from Federico Gatti uh, in that game, which, by the way, came just after Valentin Carboni had equalized in injury time himself. Yeah. Um, Don, some of us don't like Allegri's football, but they're right up there on the table. Juventus have no European commitments. They're very much in this Serie A title race, aren't they? 100% they are. Um, I think, and I've been critical over uh, Max Legri's tactics and formations over the last couple of years, especially when I'd seen them play 4-4-2, and Adrian Rabiot's been playing left wing, who's clearly not a left winger, and I, and I wondered, but then you sort of second-guess yourself because you, you think, well, it's Max Allegri, he knows what he's doing, he's a very experienced manager. But I think their football's been pretty good this year, this, since the start of the season. I think they've been a lot better. I think they've been a lot better and easier on the eye. It all comes down to if they keep Chiesa fit, if they keep Vlavic fit, those front two, I think, are a dangerous pair. And, and Chiesa it just looks to his, be back to his very best. He looks sharp. I love the fact that Federico Gatti scored because I commentated on his very first game for Juve and it was a Champions League game against Paris Saint-Germain and he played up against Kylian Mbappe. And and he got th- done. Is that the game where he got done? Done twice, and I think right. Mbappe scored two, and he got torn to shreds. Doesn't mean he's a bad player, which is his first game against uh, Mbappe, and he's responded. He's now one of the first names on the team sheet. So to answer your question, I think they are. Do you? 
Yeah, I, I, I think mean, I think I think Inter are the best team with the best squad. Just I think they are. I and it's funny because people are talking now about oh look, Allegri's playing youngsters. Nicolo Cavilli as well is getting put minutes and he's helping. And yeah, all of this is great, but he's not. And yes, they have some big injuries, but he's not getting a tune out of Lavic yet. No. That can be the real value add. You know, Chiesa, yeah, looks to be at his best, but, you know, knock on wood, we never know how long that's going to last, yeah. you know, with his injury record. Uh, I think Danilo's the guy they really, really miss at the back. Um, I would but, have thought when when when, um, when Vlavic got his goal, I believe, against Inter a couple of weeks ago, I would have thought that would have been the one. I think Luca Toni said if he can score and get you know, a good, a good, consistent run together. If he scores in the inter game, he's confident he yeah. might come back alive again. And if my aunt had wheels, she'd I know, be a bicycle. I know. I'm still waiting for it. Uh, tragic news coming out of France, Gab, as a supporter was fatally stabbed after the fight between Nantes and Nice. Yeah, uh, this was ahead of the game between Nantes and Nice, as you mentioned, which uh, not won one nil. Thirty-one-year-old man. Um, there was there was there was a fight. It looked like early reports suggest that the uh, one of the Nice supporter buses uh, was attacked. Um, this guy, I think, is a not fan. Um, the suspect who turned himself in after stabbing him, but um, it looked like these the, 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 I mean, these were fatal wounds. And uh, it seems it's, it's sad that we need to talk about you know this stuff. And uh, you, you just hope this is. Again, we said it before. There've been there've been a number of incidents in France this year, and uh, and it's just terrible. The draw for the Euros was held on Saturday. Mark Ogden and I talked at length about it. Uh, let's go watch the video if you if you like hearing me and Mark Ogden. Um, so I have nothing more to say. But Don, what stands out for you? Give me your three favourites to win the tournament. I'll tell you what stands out for me: opening day, opening game, Scotland, Germany. I thought so. Eight o'clock on a Friday night. What's not to love to keep They're there the for the taking. Up? Germany are? Yes. Absolutely. I thought you meant Scotland there for a second. No, no, no. They, they are there for the taking. Not playing well. The, the three favourites, France, number one for me. England. And I'm going to chuck Belgium in there. Ooh. At some point, they've got to get going, haven't they? You'd like to think. So, it's, it's interesting to me because... Everybody, I think, has France as the overwhelming favourites. Same. Most people have England uh, as a second favourite, and I, I would agree with that. Yeah. The, Portugal? Everybody seems divided on who the third favourite is. Yeah. I have Spain right now, uh, but so, my mind but, can be changed. I think Portugal actually, I mean, they were all right, they had an easy group, but they were flawless, yeah. right? Um, and they have so much talent, and, you know, they don't have Fernando Santos anymore, which can be a plus. Mm. Belgium as well have been on a decent run. Yeah, um, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but you know. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think when you look oh, at France, Italy and Holland, which people seem to have completely forgotten, I think they're sixth group. and seventh what, uh, favorites. What a group! Um, well, no, Holland are in France's group. Sorry, you're talking about Italy's, Italy's group, group. With Spain and Croatia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Albania. So, Croatia are they getting a bit old? Can they still they still know what to do? I I I'd never bet against Luka nah. Modric. Madness. Me neither. Gab, who is Borislav Mahalov and why is he talk why are we talking about him? So I'm I'm guessing you may remember him. Did you watch the 1994 World Cup? I would have done, but that seems like a lifetime ago. Just to troll England for not being there. Um so he was the goalkeeper on that Bulgaria team that of course oh. did so well. And you might notice that if you see pictures of him now, he has a full head of hair. Uh, it's because he wears a toupee. Um just by the by, nothing wrong with that. Um but the interesting thing, the reason we're talking about him is he became president of the Bulgarian FA 18 years ago. And he resigned recently. He's been under fire for so long. Bulgaria haven't actually qualified for a major tournament since 2004, which I think is pretty incredible, uh, especially given the way the Euros are now. Um, he's been under fire by your mate Dimitar Berbatov, has been attacking him over and over again. He also wants to become president, he, he wants to succeed him as uh, president of Bulgarian FA, possibly. Um, but he did this weird thing where the Bulgaria fans decided that they were going to protest against him and they were going to do him when Bulgaria played uh, Hungary. And so, so what he did was he tried to get the game moved away from Sofia 
to some rural part of the country. He actually announced that it was going to be moved. I forget. I forget where, but it was some place that wasn't suitable because they don't have the necessary tech or whatever to uh, uh, to do a, a, a UEFA Euro qualified. Then he had to move it back. Eventually, under so much pressure, there were clashes with police and everything. This guy really not popular. Um, there's a lot of allegations ar uh, uh, around him. I just find it funny because he was a tremendous goalkeeper who I think a lot of people remember, Euro 90, uh, the 94 World Cup mm -hmm. will remember. And then he wears a toupee, which is funny <laughs> to me. Because look, I, when I lose all my hair, I plan on just shaving my whole head, shaving my head. Guardiola style. Damn, damn straight, damn straight. Or like our producer, Freddie, who He's does not wear it. a toupee. Ah, should do that. Let's turn to the Women's Nations League, Don. England go two goals down at Wembley uh, against Holland, and but storm back to win 3-2 with Ella Toon notching a dramatic injury time winner. Does coming back like this give you an even bigger psychological boost? Ah, yeah, I thought they were done. I thought they were done. I thought you were looking at a shock and then you come back and you win 3-2. Do you know what, Gab? As a footballer, right, when you come in, and I don't know I, I know why it is, but you can't really explain it in terms of like the, the dynamics of it, but when you score a last-minute winner, the dressing room is just buzzing. The music's on. It feels like it feels like like a two-one last-minute winner or a three-two or a four-three like Liverpool at the weekend. It seems better than a five-nil win. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. five-nil win, you'd be oh well, that was that was comfy. That was an easy street. Must be amazing. It's when you get the last-second winner and it's all kicking off and the stadium's wild and you take that into a dressing room. It's amazing. They're amazing places to be, and that's that's what you remember for a long time. But it was a stunning comeback. I thought it was a great comeback. Uh, meanwhile, Gab, world champion Spain lose to Italy 3-2. How big of a deal was this? So, okay, so it's a big deal to Italy because we hadn't beaten Spain in 21 years and they are the world champions. Um, and Italy played well in this game and it's still Spain. It gets modulated a little bit by the fact, and it's a big deal for Italy because now they, they have the, the they play Switzerland on Tuesday. They have a chance to to advance in the Nations League, which would be which would be a big deal after the the disappointment uh, at the World Cup. Um, are they, I think they have to uh, Spain. I think they're level with Sweden. Uh, Sweden plays Spain, and, and Italy plays Switzerland. So they hope that they can get the edge there. It, not that big a deal to Spain, I think, because they were already qualified. And while they're not used to losing games, the mindset is going to be completely different when, you know, you're already there. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean it's a dead rubber necessarily. They, you know, they, they had good, Paraguela was there, Mariona, they had a lot of their star players, but it's not quite the same thing. Mm. But hey, I was happy. Um, uh, Ollie Watkins scored a late equalizer for Aston Villa against Bournemouth. It finishes 2-2. Um, can I ask you about Villa? Because Unai Emery's right up there. They have a tremendous home record. They're for real, yeah? Or you, are you going to wait until after the City game to decide if they're for no, real? No, I think they are for real. Um, there's a lot of horses trying to get that fourth spot for the Champions League spot in England. But I was there at Villa Park on Thursday when they played Legia Warsaw. And there was five minutes I was commentating on the game. And there was five minutes before halftime where it was a basketball match. And I thought, and I said it, and I thought, Unai Emery needs halftime. Because he's a manager that loves the small details, the fine margins, the tactics to see what should be done in-game when I'm sitting there in a gantry and I can see the whole thing and he's like sitting, standing pitch side and how these guys see it at pitch side, I'll never know. And he turned the game around, they won 2-1 and it was a great result for them. Then their form at Villa Park has been sensational since he's been there. Completely turned Villa Park into a hard place to go. Um, they've got some, I think, away games coming up. That's going to be difficult for them, but... Listen, the squad that he's got with people like Leon Bailey and uh, Diaby and Zaniolo and Ollie Watkins and Duran's a little bit raw. But is there a better midfield out there than, than Douglas Louise, uh, Kamara Tielemans? Yeah, Rodri's pretty good. No, but it's a, <laughs> okay. no, it's a three. I, I, no, I get a, what you're saying. It's yeah. a three in the second half against Tottenham the week before. They looked unbelievable. Yeah, I, I still think Rodri's better than no, Douglas No, 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 I'm saying a three. I'm saying as a three, Douglas Louise, Tielemans and Kamara. Okay. It's a brilliant three. Yeah, Rodri, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne is okay. pretty good too, but go All right. ahead. All right, you win. I, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, get your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hoffenheim Gab, the owner Dietmar Hopp is stepping down and the club will go back to a fan rule under 50 plus one rule in Germany, Gab. What do you make of this? I think this is a positive. So for those who don't know, Dietmar Hopp is a software... Um, billionaire he's now 84 years old he's that if you ever heard of a company called sap or sap as some people call him uh he founded it 
he, when he got old, he decided, yeah, I'm going to buy Hoffenheim and I'm going to put all this money into it. He used all sorts of stratagems, let's say, to do that because obviously in Germany they're very proud of their 50 plus one rule. Mm -hmm. He spent a ton of money on Hoffenheim. He got them, you know, got them into the Europa League, I think in the Champions League one year or two as well. But the man's 84. He's run his course. And, you know, Hoffenheim are a tiny, tiny club for a tiny, tiny city. And I think it's run its course. I, I think they'll go back to being a tiny, tiny club unless he, you know, gives his money to the club when he, when he, when he leaves us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's good. I, I think it's good that, you know, the whole world doesn't all follow the same, you know, private equity model because, you know, in the end, as we're seeing, it just comes down to who has, who has more money. Yeah. So it was a good run. Um, but no mess. Reports suggest that Paul Heckingbottom could be sacked as manager of Sheffield United. I guess you look at their position on the table, it's inevitable. But they've also had an, abs an, an absurd run of injuries. Should they be taking that into account? Or? Not really, Gap. Not really. Um, I think what you can take into account is they sold a couple of their best players in the summer. But, I mean, Newcastle went to Bramall Lane. They beat them 8-0. They make it all about Newcastle. <laughs> Arsenal beat them five. And then when you come up against a Burnley team who are in the same, you know, same scenario in the bottom three, yeah. you cannot be going there to Turf Moor and losing 5 0. You can't. You've got to be competitive. I mean, they were 1 0 down inside 13 and a half seconds. That tells you they're not really organised. So the fans, from what I've been hearing on radios and social media, said he should have gone a long time ago. I think it's probably inevitable that Chris Wilder comes in. Ooh. Former manager, um, Blades fan. Um, I feel I feel sorry for him being the first man to be sacked, but listen, they're shipping too many goals. They're, they're averaging three goals a loss every single game, getting smashed eights and fives and fives. Something had to happen, something had to give. Uh, more women's football, Gab. What do you think of the proposal to lift the three o'clock Saturday blackout in England, which exists to preserve attendances at lower league games, to allow women's games to be in that slot? I... Don't get it, personally. Um, so I understand the intent is to give, you know, more visibility to the women's game and whatever else, but you can't have it both ways. If you, if you think that this, this is a sacrosanct slot and, you know, you want to preserve attendances... Is that not good exposure for the women, though, kicking off at that time? I mean, would it be? I don't know. Or are football fans going to be going to watch their games and not but for the, at But home. for the casual fan that are not going to the games, they can tune into a women's game at three o'clock. Does that not make sense? But the whole point is that the whole reason that they have this is that supposedly they argue that, oh, if Manchester United are on know, television I, at three o'clock, I'm not going to sit home I, I get and that. watch Forest Green Rovers, right? I get, I get that. So what would be the same thing? If you think this actually helps the women's game, personally, what I would do is I would get a little bit more... A little bit more creative for this. Maybe there are other kickoff times you can look at. Um, I, I also think if having these games on television hurts attendances, then surely it works the same way with the women's game, right? Yeah. Because if Manchester City or Chelsea are on television, um, then I might not go and maybe, watch them. In maybe, I, maybe I'm thinking about the fan that's watching the game around the world. If they can tune into a three o'clock women's game, maybe I'm thinking that's decent exposure. Don't but know. The, I, I, I don't know. They need, to, they need to really think about this. I actually suspect that the reason that this has been proposed is the Premier League is like, ooh, look, this could give us a great excuse. If they're going to do it for the women's game, this could give us a great excuse to have Premier League games on at 3 o'clock. Right. And look, my, my view on this, and make the listener know this, is I don't think there should be a blackout. Um, I don't think watching a game on television is a substitute for going to watch a game in person. Um, but I also think you need to have some integrity and some coherence to your thought and, mm -hmm. and not all of a sudden do this. You know, I, I think, you know, they're trying to do things with, with the women's game. We saw it with, you know, the Nations League games. They're on, for example, this last round, right? It was on Friday and it was, and it's on um, a Tuesday night where there's only two Premier League games. I think that's good. The, the way they play the, the Women's Champions League, they often try to do that during international break. All yeah. of this is very, very good. Uh, but, yeah, it's not going to be a 3 o'clock Saturday blackout lifting that's going to move the needle as I see it.
Nice defender Jean-Claire Todibo says that when he was at Barcelona, there was a rule during training sessions that nobody could touch Messi. It's kind of like you know, in training camp in the NFL, you're the quarterback with yeah. the red jersey on. Uh, does this seem logical to you? Did, did you ever play in that situation? Did you have a rule that anybody, ever played anybody so good that you felt actually nobody should touch no, him? ridiculous. The, the only time I had it, it was with me, actually, when I was coming back from an ACL. Oh, with you? No, 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 no. You were the one. Hold you on. were the messy of your day. Hold on. I was coming back from an ACL injury, so I was in rehab at nine months, so Glenn Rhoda was afraid if someone done me when I wasn't 100% fit. So there was a law, a little rule. I had a bright orange bib on. No one could touch Don. So he's the West Ham Messi. There you go. Uh, Don comparing himself to Messi. No, it depends on the scenario. It could be a day before a game. could be a massive game and coach has gone, don't touch him. It, it, dep- it depends on the context of it. So he was appearing on a TV show when he said this. And he... He said it in passing, and you thought maybe I thought maybe it's a figure. Of if it's a, if it's a rule forever when no one's allowed to touch Messi, yeah. But then he ridiculous. went back to it. He, I don't know. But it could have been a day before a game. Well, he, he he was there for more. It's not like he was only there for the day before the game. He was there for a whole season and a half. No, right? so, no, no. What I'm saying is when when the when the coach. He didn't, he, that's not the impression he gave. Okay, well that's a ridiculous. <laughs> also, because it doesn't make Messi better. No, exactly. Can touch him. Exactly. Not that Messi needs to be better. No. Uh, big game in the Saudi Pro League, Gab Al Halal. With a big win over there, Saudi Arabian against Al Nasser, as Milinkovic Savic and Alexander Mitrovic score in a 3 0 win. But Gab, Ronaldo was not happy and looked rather bemused. What was going on? Okay, so I only got the highlights of this. Um, and I recommend you go on YouTube because it was, it was absolutely mad. Uh, so Cristiano Ronaldo, furious at some of the uh, at some of the officiating, furious at this guy Ali Al Bulahi, who's uh, Saudi international, who seemed to be want to be, look to wind him up all the time, just just jabbering away, talking to him. Um, Cristiano, at the end, it looked as if he got into an argument with the sheikh who owns uh, Al Halal. Mm-hmm. Um, even some suggestions that he accused them of. of, of controlling the referee somehow, although that's uh, unconfirmed, that's purely reported. This other guy, Ali Al-Balahi, was sent off in, um, in injury time. A regular listeners will know what bugs me is when people wind up the fans uh, when players on the pitch, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, really, it's nice and safe for you on the pitch. You can do that, <laughs> right? This is exactly what this guy did, like not content with jabbering at Cristiano throughout the game. At the end, when Mitrovic scores, goes three 0 He goes over to the uh, uh, to the Al Nasser fans, and he does the crying gesture, oh. and they're all shouting Ronaldo, and he's like making fun of Ronaldo. Like honestly, this guy, like uh, you want villain footballer, like it's him. Is it him? It's him. Like it's Sergio Ramos to the nth dimension. Oh. With the difference that Sergio Ramos, I think, respects uh, supporters. This guy evidently doesn't. Honestly, not my favorite guy in the world. John, that brings us to an end. Amazing, loved it. But thanks for stepping in. As ever, we're going to be back on Thursday, big week of uh, midweek action in the Premier League and elsewhere. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. <laughs>